the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So I'll get into school choice here in a little bit. And first, though, since it's breaking news, I want to take you to uh, Helsinki, Finland, and a press conference that just concluded. Uh, Joe Biden had, yes, his cheat sheet of people that he was supposed to call on, and he did. And he had to say, I'm sorry, I can't hear your question. Could you repeat the question? I couldn't follow you. Not looking good. Not looking good over there in Helsinki, Finland. It's not a good trip for the president. Um, Go back and watch YouTube a Democratic presidential debate in 2020. And watch it for two minutes. Two minutes of Joe Biden in 2020. Now watch Joe Biden. And tell me that the decline in this man is not precipitous. Okay? Just do that for me today. Now, uh, here's a question uh, to Joe Biden about the war in Ukraine. Uh, he's over there, of course, at a NATO summit, and uh, Vladimir Zel- Vol- Volodymyr Zelensky wants to get in NATO. Of course he does. He doesn't want to get blown off the face of the map by uh, the Russians. He doesn't want to get overrun by the Russians, and I don't blame him. Uh, Zelensky on Tuesday, after being turned down for immediate membership in NATO— uh, said that the uh, refusal to admit Ukraine was unprecedented, absurd, and a sign of weakness. Then Wednesday, he said he understood the fears of World War III are logical, and he understands that he can't join while he's immersed in a war. Now, what happened between the two? Uh, what happened between the two is that the people who are funding Zolinsky didn't care for his characterization of their assistance as inadequate. Because when you say that a failure to admit Ukraine into NATO is unprecedented, absurd, and a sign of weakness, the people who are sending you billions of dollars in ammunition tend to take offense at that. One said, you know, we're not Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, true. And even Jake Sullivan said that the American taxpayer could stand to hear a little bit of appreciation from Volodymyr Zelensky. This war has the potential to go on and on and on and on. We heard a lot in the winter, remember, about the Ukrainian offensive. Oh, the Ukrainian offensive. You wiggle, it gets warm. Once winter abates, oh, they're going to go on an offensive, and Russia's really going to be under the gun. Uh, We're not hearing about uh, massive gains by the Ukrainians in their offensive because they're not getting massive gains. And as has been the case since the very beginning— We tell them they can't have what they want, and then six months later, we acquiesce and give them what they want. We weren't going to give them HIMAR missiles. We weren't going to give them F-16s. We weren't going to give them cluster bombs. Now we're doing all of it. Makes me a little nervous because I remember when Biden said at one point we would not have American troops on the ground in Ukraine. Oh, they're over here training, and we're sending advisors over there. Well, troops on the ground. We don't have that. We don't have that. Okay. Hmm. Wait and see. Wait and see. So Biden is at the podium today, and he's asked a question 
by a Wall Street Journal reporter. Uh, You've said that Ukraine shouldn't enter NATO until after the war is over. Are you concerned that all of those comments could motivate Putin to keep the war going or discourage him from, from entering peace negotiations? And is there a serious risk that this war could drag on for years? Um, and do you see any path toward the war ending with Putin still in power? First of all, um, no one can join NATO while the war, a war is going on, where a NATO nation is being attacked, because that guarantees that we're in a war and we're in a third world war. So that it's not about whether or not they should or shouldn't join. It's about when they can join and they will join NATO. The uh, issue of whether or not uh, um, this is going to keep Putin from continuing to fight, the answer is Putin's already lost the war. Putin has a real problem. How does he move from here? What does he do? And so the idea that there's going to be what vehicle is used, he could end the war tomorrow. He could just say, I'm out. But what agreement is ultimately reached depends upon Putin and uh, what he decides to do. But there, there is no possibility of him winning the war in Ukraine. He's already lost that war. Imagine if even if, anyway, he's already lost that war. I'm sure that'll come as news to Vladimir Putin that he's already lost the war and that there's no way of him winning it. I'm going to guess that the guy with uh, one of the world's, does he not have more nuclear weapons than we do? They might be old, they might be antiquated, but he's got either the first or second arsenal of nuclear weapons. I'm going to guess that Joe Biden is wrong when he says it's not possible for him to win the war in Ukraine. It's possible, might not be smart to do it, but you don't want to insult a guy who has Vladimir Putin's nuclear arsenal, the way Joe Biden just insulted him. Biden, of course, is, uh, has been suffering ever since his feckless withdrawal from Afghanistan, which I will always argue emboldened Putin to go into Ukraine. Look at that. Hey, can't even, like, they gave up a secure military base out in the middle of nowhere to congregate in the middle of one of the most populous cities in Afghanistan. And got 13 of his own servicemen killed doing it. This guy's an idiot. Let's go in today. I shortened the conversation probably, but that's how it went. Now, I saved this cut from earlier in the week because Fox has a military analyst named Keith Kennedy. And Keith Kennedy was asked about the imminence of the Ukrainian war ending. I mean, Joe Biden says Vladimir Putin's already lost it. Can't win it. Keith Kennedy agree with that? Well, it really doesn't end, and that's my big concern. I think we're heading to, heading to an endless war. Look, we have made a huge mistake in not supplying them with the equipment they needed long ago, be it attackums or be it A-10s or F-16s. Or you look at the Abrams tank, we're only going to give them 31, and we still haven't done that. So we've been slow to the fight, slow to the march to be able to do it. So they're extending this war, and that's what's going to happen as you continue to do this fight. If they cannot punch through, they cannot continue their offensive. This looks like it's a war that's never going to end. And that's when they're in Vilnius this week, when they're talking about it. They need to really talk about this. They need to talk about NATO. What does NATO look like? What does Ukraine play in NATO? Do we do it with bilateral security discussions? All of that has to be talked about because as today, as we speak, that this, this offensive is not going well, and it looks like the war has turned into a war of stalemate. That was Monday. Did they talk Vladimir Putin to death? In their little NATO summit, 
apparently not. Wall Street Journal then followed up with this question to Joe Biden, saying after Biden had said, ah, Putin's already lost the war. He can't win and he's already lost it. Here came the follow up. Um, just on the question of, of a concern about going on for years. Um, is there a possibility that there's a stalemate in this? I'm sorry. The question of whether the huh? war could go on for years, is there a possibility there's a stalemate and it can continue for quite some time? Well, I don't think the war can go on for years for two reasons. Number one, I don't think that the uh, Russians could, uh, could maintain the war forever, number one, in terms of their resources and capacity. Number two, uh, I think that... Uh, there is going to be a circumstance where uh, eventually uh, President Putin is going to decide it's not in the interest of Russia, economically, politically, or otherwise, to continue this war. Um, But I can't predict exactly how that happens. My hope is, and my expectation is, you'll see that Ukraine makes significant progress on their offensive and that uh, it uh, generates a negotiated settlement somewhere along the line. Well, we all have hopes, don't we? I mean, I hope I win the lottery tonight, even though I never buy a ticket. I can hope. My hope is every bit as realistic as his scenario, where Putin walks up to a podium and goes, you know, I've thought this over. Big mistake by me to go into Ukraine. (laughs) We're pulling out. Sorry about it. Have the Donbass. Take it all back. I don't... We don't need it. We thought we wanted it. Turns out it's a bigger headache than I anticipated. We're done. Yeah, that'll happen. Vladimir Putin, that'll happen, Joe Biden. Oh, what a moron this guy is. What a complete moron. Who was the uh, guy in Washington? Was it Robert Gates who said every foreign policy decision of the last 50 years Joe Biden's been wrong on? Yeah. He was wrong on, no, a bad idea. Don't go get Bin Laden. He was wrong on Kabul. And he's wrong on this. Uh, the Biden administration, of course, uh, cares greatly about you, me, and all the problems in America. Uh, as proof, uh, you need to... Follow the vice president, Kamala Harris, on Twitter uh, because yesterday she tweeted about one of the really, really, really egregious problems going on in the United States of America. No, not the border, not inflation, not the lack of domestic energy, not fentanyl, not human trafficking. No, she was uh, talking about the really, really serious stuff. Uh, I quote from her Twitter. The majority of domestic airline flights do not have accessible restrooms. This is absolutely unacceptable. Our administration will soon announce a solution to help end this inequity. Well, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope we do something about a problem that has plagued humanity since uh, the Wright brothers discovered flight is that airplane bathrooms are not sufficiently big enough or accessible enough and exacerbate the inequity in our country. That's a real tweet. I'm not making that up. (laughs) The Biden administration 
in its quest for uh, restroom accessibility, uh, has prepared the Air Carrier Access Act to require an accessible lavatory on wide-bodied aircraft. Wow, I sure hope so. You know, that'll probably drive the price of tickets down, don't you think? I mean, that'll make it cheaper to fly. if They have to, like, tear into an airplane, reconfigure it, take seats out, build out a bigger bathroom. Man, you cannot put anything past this administration. This kind of brain power is why, I presume, Kamala Harris was speaking yesterday. Not just tweeting, but speaking. And when Kamala speaks, hmm, belly up to this... Belly up to the word salad bar, kids, as here we have Kamala Harris yesterday explaining AI as only she can. And I think the first part of this issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. Oh. It means artificial intelligence. But ultimately what it is is it's about machine learning. And so the machine is taught And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine that will then determine, and and we can predict then, if we think about what what information is going in, what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process. You got it now? AI's two letters stands for artificial intelligence. Okay. Thank you, Kamala. What would we do without you? I don't know, but I certainly hope we find out soon. Uh, Okay. Speaking of real intelligence, the kind that is taught, hopefully, to our children in uh, high school, I got a little bit of detail on the implementation of the expansion of EdChoice in Ohio. A friend of mine, a very smart friend, who has uh, worked in and around the statehouse for years and years and years, asked me something on Sunday that I did not know the answer to. When I was talking about Ed Choice expanding, he said, does it go into effect immediately or does it go into effect in 90 days? Because usually the state budget goes into effect in 90 days. The physical parts of the budget, got to pay the bills after all, usually go into effect immediately. But if it has to wait 90 days to go into effect, then if you have private school tuition to pay, and I have two of them to pay, then we're looking at July, August, September, eating up the 90 days before EdChoice would go into effect in October. And it appears from what I am reading that EdChoice will not be expanded, that you will not get the money that the state is going to kick toward your child going to a private school or you as a homeschooler getting a chunk of Uh, the voucher from the state of Ohio to homeschool your kid, it does appear that's not going to go into effect until October. I could be wrong on that, but that's what I'm reading. And again, this is the lack of good reporting in this town because we have the dispatch and we have the local television stations. But now what is becoming apparent to me is that the House Republicans who backed Jason Stevens for Speaker of the House were dragged kicking and screaming across the expansion of school choice finish line because they are now bellyaching about, oh, there aren't enough private schools. People who live in rural areas don't have access to private schools. What do you think is a better strategy to expand private schools in the state of Ohio? 
expanding EdChoice so all parents have access to an $8,000 kick-in for their kids' private education, thus motivating them to get together, strategize, plan, fundraise, and start a private school, or not promising them any money for their kids going to private school and telling them, well, you know, you go start the private school on your own, and then we'll think about giving you some money in an EdChoice scholarship. The former scenario, of course, is much more plausible to get private schools started, but the turncoat backstabbing Republicans who sided with Jason Stevens as Speaker of the House over Derek Maron are now bellyaching two of them, Jay Edwards and John Cross of Kenton, about the fact that, well, we live in rural areas and we don't have private schools. You know what, champ? I live in a rural area, and I drive my kids 20-plus miles to their private school because it's worth it to me, okay? It's worth it to me. I've been in most of the little burgs and hamlets in Ohio, and I'm going to guess if you establish a standard of, is there a private school within 20 miles of where I live? Within 20 miles, the answer is going to be, yes, there is. But never fear. Let me say another thing about this before I tell you about Senate President Matt Huffman's plan to get more private schools. It is also true that in the rural areas, you don't need as many private schools as you do in the big cities. Because in the big cities is where woke goes to flourish. What party do the big cities vote? Oh, right. Look at an electoral map. The big cities all vote blue. The rural areas all vote red. All vote Republican. In the rural areas, are you likely to find a gay transgender flag in the classroom at Marion Local High School in Maria Stein or Coldwater High School or West Liberty Salem High School? Shout out to my alma mater. No, you're not. But walk into a classroom at Olentangy Orange or Westerville North or South, you're going to see it routinely. So they don't need as many private schools out in the rural areas. But Matt Huffman has got a plan. He's talking about, hey, well, if you don't have enough private schools out in the rural areas, maybe the state needs to step in and help fund those. Oh, you can imagine how this is going over with the teachers' unions in the state of Ohio. Scott DeMauro. Scott, come back on the show sometime, man. we got to have a chat. Scott DeMauro of uh, the Ohio Education Association, he's the president, calls the idea of building private schools with public dollars a blatant attempt to destroy public education. Well then, Scott, I would get my woke teachers to stop being woke so there would not be a demand for more private schools. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.